And I was like, I don't want to go work for a competitor. I already worked for the best company there is. So <laughs> what am I going to do? And there was a bunch of us who were always saying, well, you know, if I had my store, I'd do it like this. I'd do it like this. And I was like, you know, maybe I should just open up my own store. That was Cheese Plus owner Ray Bear. I'm Jeff. Welcome to Storied San Francisco, a weekly podcast where San Franciscans from all walks of life share their stories, and you get to know your neighbors. In this podcast, Ray picks up where he left off in part one, with his arrival in San Francisco. He charts different roles he had at Whole Foods stores and a regional office, before he left and soon thereafter bought the store known for the last 15 years as Cheese Plus. Later in the podcast, he shares the story of how he, his wife, and some friends started the Six Foot Social Club. Having now owned Cheese Plus a while, Ray ends the episode talking about how the coronavirus lockdown will affect small businesses once it's over. Here's Ray. I had an apartment on 17th and Belvedere. Belvedere. Where is up, up from Cole Valley. Ashbury oh, High, right. up Cole Valley. That's yeah. the top of, yeah, 17th goes all the way up that hill. And you know that okay. street, Belvedere is, I don't know if you know this, is quite a famous street in the city at Halloween. Oh, yeah. It's considered one of the safe streets where they close it off. And, yes. You know, and I lived in the one apartment building on that entire street. Everything else are all single family homes and, and, and quite nice ones, by the way. And uh, it was, you know, so that was, that was my first foray. I had a little love shack, I would call it. Uh, <laughs> in a converted garage in the back of an apartment building. Yes. So this would have been like, like the early.com. It was early.com. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. That was all starting to kind of, kind of take place. And, and did you, were you tempted to shake a little bit? Were you tempted to buy any of that? Or were you like, I'm going to stick with what I know? A little bit. I was, my career was really starting to solidify. Mm-hmm. And, um, my goal at that time was to become the the regional uh, director of of so I was so I was in cheese at that point and I was managing the cheese in the wine department. I had done that in Berkeley and I had done it in Palo Alto and then excuse me in Mill Valley and then um, it became apparent that there was going there now there were three stores. And there was the acquisition of more stores happening around the Bay Area into the company that there was, okay, there's going to need to be a regional office, right? Okay. This isn't just a single store doing these things. Right. So I kind of had my, my mindset that that's where I wanted to go. And they had created it for a couple of, you know, the produce, of course, because it's such a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. They created a distribution center and purchasing and it was all centralized and, you know, or greatly centralized, I should say. And I was like, we got to do that for cheese and wine. And, um, so that was really my goal. So I wasn't really tempted to get out just yet. So, you know, I've always been kind of bullheaded and kind of independent. And I wasn't alone at that time, but we were all like, is, is, how's this going to work? You got to, you know, you got to squeeze the melon. You got to, <laughs> you know, you got to smell the fish. You got to do all these things. You're not going to let somebody else do that for you. How are they going to do that? So did you go to the regional office or did you actually work in any San Francisco Whole Foods stores? So I opened the store on California and Franklin, Franklin. in 1996. Wow. And that, and that was the last store that I was uh, based out of. And then I, then I was promoted to the regional director. We did some really 
really cool stuff there. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, my old boss, Walter, he's no longer with the organization. You guys can look, Walter Robb. He was just an incredible guy in that he would just push the limits on everything. Mm-hmm. And sometimes he didn't like that because right. personally he would do it too. But mm-hmm. I had so much respect for him for that because, you know, he sent, you know, he like go to the fancy food show in New York um, and say, stick around and go see all these stores and bring back the best of what you're seeing. And then he would say, you know, I was in Germany and I went to this store and I saw this, what do you think about this concept? And we would, you know, we'd brainstorm it. And we, so we were just doing cool stuff. I mean, I was, I was definitely pushing the limits uh, for sure. I got my hand slapped a number of times. Mm -hmm. You know, I was the last person that I know of who sold foie gras in the company. Oh, wow. And they, I basically just every time they would tell me that I was going to get fired for doing it, I was like, well, you know, fire me, you know? Yeah. So I always had the sort of a specialty slant to my natural food style. We used to have bowls of caviar. We'd scoop it out. And, you know, we had that olive bar where we, you know, we did everything the wrong way, <laughs> but it was the best way. I, well, it was wicked expensive to do it operationally and inventory was out of control and you know but it was sexy and it was fun i it it, it was a big part of my moving here that was the first.com and that was the first wave of like everyone's a millionaire mm. it was also very you know for me as a food guy network tv uh food network right? Mm-hmm. You know, Emerald and, and, and all of that kind of stuff was happening. And so suddenly 24 seven food, 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 people were traveling. They were coming back from Europe saying, can you get me this? Can you get me that? And we could get anything right. legal or not. It didn't matter. <laughs> nobody cared before nine 11. Nobody checked anything. Right. After nine 11, everything changed. Right. So how do we get from, you said you went, then went to the regional store. How do we get from there to Cheese plus. So after a number of years of working at the regional level, you know, I kind of achieved my goal and my dream. And truthfully, you know, I, I'm the company got bigger mm-hmm. and things were different. Mm-hmm. And there was a there was a good year or so that I was very angry at the company. Mm-hmm. And I was very uh, dissatisfied with my job. And I really felt that it was their fault. Mm. Um, And there was, so I'd just gotten married. I'm a late late bloomer. Mm -hmm. And so here I am, I don't know, 38 years old. Just got married. And my wife says to me every night when I come home, why don't you just quit? can you just set the date? Just set mm-hmm. the date. Just, right. just decide when you're going to quit. Just set the date. And so in this process, I started to realize that, you know, they weren't the ones that were broken. Um, it was really me. I didn't fit in anymore. Yeah. That's and a could, very adult 
realization. It was a very adult realization. And I, and I came to it kicking and screaming because oh, I yeah. still wanted to not be an adult, right? Yeah. Uh, and it was a big decision because, I mean, I worked, you know, I, you know, I worked a lot of different jobs before then, but I was, you know, I was a kid when I started working for them. I, yeah. I flipped burgers, you know, I worked at Colonel Sanders. Uh, the most famous place that I ever worked before was I worked at Stubbs Barbecue when, oh, yeah. when Stubbs was still alive. Right. And it was a hole in the wall, you know? Mm-hmm. And that was just a part-time, you know, little gig because it was, I lived a block away. Right. <laughs> but um, so it was like, oh my God, you know, at this point now it's like, you got stock options, you, you're making money. Um, you're well-respected. You have a lot of goodwill that you've built up. And you're not even in the store. And you're not even in the store, right? The well, regional. you're in an airplane seat or you're in the seat at the office all the time. Yeah. That, for me, that was part of the problem. I love the travel part. I love visiting the stores. But I really had a hard time with the quota system. I came to the realization that I no longer fit into the organization mm-hmm. anymore. Okay. My favorite best experiences were when this company was smaller Mm -hmm. and my favorite best experiences were when I was in the store. Yeah. So I, I, I couldn't go back and be a floor manager. You know, that would be a step backwards, Mm -hmm. right? It's how I felt about it. And uh, I didn't want to go work for, you know, at that time I thought the best, competitor we had was Andronico's right mm-hmm. now sold to Safeway. Uh, Safeway. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to go work for a competitor. I already worked for the best company there is. So mm-hmm. what am I going to do? And there was a bunch of us who were always saying, well, you know, if I had my store, I'd do it like this. I'd do it like this. And I was like, you know, maybe I should just open up my own store and just, and just go for it. And mm. You so, mean thinking, thinking like uh, opening from, a gra- from the ground up? From the ground up. Thing? Okay. Yeah. From the ground up. Like, I'll just start my own business. I've got That's a ambitious. Yeah, I'm ambitious. You know, I've got money. I've got skills. I've got connections. I felt really, you know, I, I was like, I know all of the players in the marketplace. Right? right. So I know where to procure the materials, the products, you know, the whole thing. And, um, you know, I had been working for this company for a long time and uh, certainly that was going to mean a lot to a lot of people. Um, so, so I quit um, and, and they were extremely gracious and provided me with a long exit window. Okay. Uniquely, right? Um, and so we ended on very, very amicably, on very, very good terms. And, um, cool. and actually a number of the people in the organization really helped me um, in the early days. There is equipment in Cheese Plus now that was once at the Petaluma Whole Foods and at the Berkeley Whole Foods store that when they did a remodel, they called me and said, we're throwing this in the trash. If you want it, be here by 6 p.m. and pick it up. So awesome. And I'm like, okay, I'll be there. And, That's you know, so awesome. and, and showed up and did that. So, so I had a lot of friends that, that, you know, kind of helped me out in the early days. And that's what you have to do. That's what bootstrapping is all about. And so, uh, as we mentioned, you went out thinking you were going to open a place brand new. You're going to start with, how, how did it come to be that you found this? I'll let you tell us what it was, but yeah. How did, how did that happen? Was it just kind of, pure pure circumstance like just 
pure coincidence, I should say. Uh, it was, I, I want to think it was divine intervention. <laughs> Serendipity. Yeah. Um, uh, I'll tell you that I'll tell you this, this story truthfully. So, um, the interesting thing was that, as I said, I was getting stock options. So uh, the stock options were going to vest on a certain day, I think like the last day of March or April or something like that. Mm -hmm. So when that happened, um, I went, so they would vest at like 12.01 a.m. And at 8 a.m. I was at, you know, I had my resignation papers for my boss, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure I got that year's worth of stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. um, that was money that I needed. And I knew what I was doing. I knew the intention was for me to leave uh, to do that. So I go into the boss's office, shaking, voice cracking, oh, yeah. sweating profusely. Like, you know, uh, I think I was living in, I was living in San Francisco. I drove across offices were in Emeryville. I think I drove across the Bay bridge in like 90 seconds. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it was like pedal to the metal. I was so nervous. Yeah. But basically went in, gave my notice, walked out, uh, you know, started crying and just went home. And went mm. to sleep, you know, mm -hmm. had a meeting the next morning with uh, a broker, uh, a sales broker. So uh, uh, brokers are in betweens between the manufacturers and the retailers. And so okay. they, they help to handle things like promotions and um, uh, uh, marketing dollars and uh, demos and all kinds of things like that. So you go to the broker and you're like, hey, you know, um, I know you'd like for me to carry your product, whatever it is, but I need you to, you know, agree to give me, you know, so much off four times a year, this and that. Mm -hmm. So it's a negotiation. So anyway, it's got Bill, who's, who's a great friend of mine, and we're still, still uh, stay in touch, and he's still in the industry and, and a giant in the industry. I had a meeting with him, and I said, okay, Bill, I have to tell you something. I can't negotiate any, any long-term deals with you. Um, today and he's like why is that I said because I quit and I'm going to be leaving here soon and I and I I'm I'm not going to set up some sort of promotion and then have somebody else come in and be sort of forced to do what I thought they should do right mm -hmm. that was kind of the reason why I was leaving I was like making these promotions for the stores and they would be like oh man don't send me 15 cases of that I still have 10 from the last time that happened you know mm -hmm. and you know so there was uh, that tension was there so Bill says to me, well, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to start my own business. Oh, yeah? What are you, what are you thinking? I'm thinking a little cheese shop, you know? I'm thinking, I really like that store Say Cheese over there on Cole and, and Carl. You know, that's, cool. yeah. that's a cool store, you know? I think something like that, you know, super romantic. You oh, know, yeah. Kind of extremely naive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he says, well, you know, Leonard's, Leonard wants to sell his place. Leonard's looking to retire. And I was like, Leonard's? I was like, oh, yeah, Leonard's. So Leonard's 2001 was, is what Cheese Plus is now. Mm -hmm. uh, 2001 Polk Street, and Leonard was the owner um, uh, there. And, uh, and so I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I was just, I was equally as nervous then as I was the day before, because I'm like, oh, shit, I have to actually make this happen now. Right. I've quit my job. I've got X number of weeks that I'm going to stay here. And then I got to figure this out. So that's how that's the short version of what happened. Leonard had been there for 13 years uh, before I took over the store. And it took about a year before I took over the store. 
was it did, was it closed in that interim? No, or? it was open. It was oh, open. okay. And okay. We, we never cl we closed the store one day um, to paint it, but otherwise we stayed open and we made all the changes that we did to the store. You know, right there, we just put plastic, hung it from the ceiling, and dug up the floors and put in. We put in a bunch of uh, new electrical and plumbing because there was no food service there. So the cafe that we do, the sandwiches, the charcuterie, the cheese, none of that really existed uh, uh, previous. So we had to create a whole new production line. And that was the biggest part of the remodel. Um, one of the things that was, you know, most difficult for me in, in starting Cheese Plus, you know, there were so many things that were super easy, right? So it was a, it took a long time to make the decision, but it was a slam dunk decision because we knew that on the very first day, by taking over Leonard's and turning it into Cheese Plus, that we were going to have sales the first day. Right. I didn't have to go out and create a whole, I didn't have to build my consumer base. They were already right. there. So, uh, so, so some yeah, of the fears were reduced. I some would of the fears were reduced, right? So we, we, we went through all, you know, we went through the process of negotiations. First day we're open, we're busy, you know, we've got sales. I've got a lot of energy and a lot of desire to make things happen. And I knew I had a vision that of what Cheese Plus is now. So much of that was the original vision. It was written into mm. the business plan okay. and it just took us a while to roll it out. Right. I did. I wasn't nervous about getting product. I knew my products well. I, you right. know, I'm a smart food guy. That was my job was to purchase food for this big company right. and to do all those types of things. And, but what I was really naive about and unprepared for was the culture shift of where I was coming from, that I had to be the standard bearer of the culture for my company. Mm -hmm. And it took me a long time to really figure that out. Suddenly, I've got to be HR and marketing and IT and, and the buyer and the manager and all of those things. And so it really was, it took a long time for me, you know, mentally, emotionally. As an entrepreneur, or at least for me as a business owner, there was this fight to get the business off the ground, right? That's the initial part. Let's get it off the ground and let's make sure we've got some sales and we can pay our bills. And then you're like, let's get to the five year mark, right? That's the, that's the first sort of major milestone for a small business. Mm -hmm. If you make it to five years, the chances you're gonna make it to, to 10 are much greater because right. so many businesses fail in the early stage. So we finally get to the fifth year. We're finally starting to make a profit. All those things are happening. Then you start to feel trapped. I can't leave. I can't do anything. I am completely consumed by my decision to own this business. Why can't I take a vacation? Why can't I turn off the lights and walk away? You know? Right. And there's all, and then there'll be factors within the organization, you know, things that'll happen, you know, uh, uh, blow-ups with team members and with, with vendors and customers and things that will sort of like nick at you and, 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 you know, and some nick a little bit deeper than others and really start to feel it. And then you kind of, for me, then I emerged from that feeling of being trapped. My brother was great. And he basically told me one time, 
you chose this life, so why do you keep bitching about it? <laughs> kind of thing, you know? Why do you keep complaining? Well, you chose this direction, you know? And I was like, you're right. I'm not busier than you. My life is not more important than yours. So you have that initial challenge. Let's keep the, keep the door open. But then you're like, oh, crap. This is what my life's going to be like forever. And then you get to the, then I get to the place of, of a new sense of vulnerability. We're now 26, 27 team members that work in the organization. And when we started, there was like four or five of us. And you start to feel responsible for the for their families and things. And you worry about, is an earthquake going to come and knock out this? So this is, this is my life's work. And this is my money and my prosperity. Mm-hmm. The same thing for all the people that work for me. Or is a competitor going to come in and wipe us up? Or is there mm-hmm. going to be some sort of a disaster or, <laughs> you know, or something that would happen. Like, you know, first it was like some sort of like foodborne illness type of thing that would happen. You know, you couldn't really think about like COVID, but there was always this boogeyman in the corner. Right. And so the boogeyman now is COVID. Can you tell yeah. us about uh, six foot social club? Oh, uh, six foot social club. Yeah. Where did that come from? So, well, six foot social club uh, is, was, uh, a concept that was developed by some friends of my wife and I. My wife is in the creative visual arts industry. She does marketing and represents um, commercial photographers and digital artists and people like that. Okay. She has a she has a a, a great uh, roster of creative people that she's worked with over the years, mm-hmm. and. There's a gentleman named Matt and his wife, KK, who live around the corner from Cheese Plus, and we're friends with them. And they do, he does design and creative work, and she is a copywriter. And so the idea to make t-shirts to do fundraising was something that popped into my head um, at the very beginning of the shelter-in-place period. Mm-hmm. Um, there was an email that went out amongst the businesses in the local community saying, Hey, uh, make sure you sign up for your PPP loan, you know, mm-hmm. all of these small business things. And here's some legal resources and different. So we were, we were starting to email each other with different things like, and, you know, always with the beginning, you know, good luck. We're all in this together. I hope that we all survive and do these things. And sharing resources, essentially. sharing resources. Yeah. So I, so I'm reading this email and then I get this text from Mike over at Babylon Mm -hmm. burning, right? Mm -hmm. You know, Mike, Mm -hmm. t-shirt guy, he makes t-shirts for us and for everybody else because he's the coolest guy ever. (laughs) And um, he's like, Hey, I hope you're doing all right. You know, good luck in this. Right. So we're all like basically sending each other messages in the community going, you know, good luck, good luck, good luck. I hope this thing's over soon, you know. And uh, so I'm like, oh my God, there's Mike. Oh my God, there's this email I have. We need to, you know, we need to make some t-shirts. So I respond to my business community, my local um, email chain. And I'm like, you know, hey guys, you know, everybody, you know, look out for each other. I have this great idea. I want to make t-shirts uh, and to raise funds for um 
for the businesses that are closed and from, for the workers who can't work in our neighborhood. And, uh, but I'm really busy. Can somebody take the lead on this? <laughs> Literally, I wrote that. I'm like, I'm swamped. Can somebody take the lead? Yep. So like three days go by, four days go by, nothing. There's nothing happening. No bites. And no bites at all. And it's just on my mind and I keep thinking about it. And uh, so I have this idea, but I don't know really how to execute it. So I asked my wife, um, I said, you know, you, we know all these really creative people. Like, do you think you could ask somebody to help me with this? Like, just, just give me, just help me to come up with a phrase. Okay. So first, the idea was it was just going to be some sort of phrase and then we could just put it on a t-shirt and do this. So and she's like, well, what about Matt? And I'm like, oh my God, yeah, of course. Why wasn't I thinking about that the first time, you know? And this was the first time that I'd had a day off, a couple weeks into it, and I, and I took a walk with, with my wife. We live over in Glen Park. So we went over to, into the canyon, we take a walk, and she's mm -hmm. like, well, what about Matt? And I'm like, oh my God, that's a great idea, right? So he immediately said, oh my God, I'll do this. And I've got, I've got some people that want to work on this with me. Nice. So they conceptualized the idea um, and come, came back with Six Foot Social Club. And I think it was Matt and, and his wife, I think his wife came up with the term Six Foot Social Club uh, when they were also were on a walk uh, together. But as you know, the two things that happen when you're on a walk as or in the doing. hour, you get all the best ideas, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, you know? And um, so they hooked up with uh, a friend of theirs who is a designer named uh, Marta. Um, Harding. So they created the, a, a few unique Instagram handles, website, um, I think maybe Facebook, I'm not sure what else, maybe Twitter, I'm not sure, and came up with this great design. And so um, I was like, wow, this is really cool. So we ordered, uh, we ordered a bunch of shirts. So we put them on sale and, um, and we sales started to just like, it was like an avalanche. So now we're getting it out to the bigger community. We've got two restaurants in the neighborhood. Uh, currently, Lord Stanley, mm -hmm. which is on the corner at Broadway and Polk. They're my neighbors closest to me. Mm -hmm. And then the guys over at McCondry, which is a new restaurant that mm -hmm. is up uh, on Polk, uh, closer to Greenwich, mm -hmm. uh, just a couple blocks up. Uh, they uh, are friends with Matt, because uh, Matt uh, dines there, or was dining there pr previous to this. And so they're doing takeout. So Matt's like, hey, these guys want some shirts too. So we've, we've taken shirts to those guys for them to sell for their own fundraising. And my initial idea was that, you know, if we could literally get the whole of Polk Street or the city at large to have these T-shirts in every business that can have them as a fundraiser for themselves. Mm -hmm. So what we've done that's unique uh, to cheese plus. Uh, so we have a website and so we sell, uh, merchandise on our website, like our cheese of the month club, mm -hmm. um, gift baskets, and a lot of like, uh, you know, swag, like, uh, cheese plus aprons and hats and t-shirts and things like that. Sure. So we had a, we had a mechanism. So we just put it, we put these six foot social club shirts on our website. Okay. So anybody around the country can order them and you can have them shipped. Nice. Uh, and, and you can do it at two or three in the morning while we've been talking, the phone has, I, I get automatic notifications that it's coming and it's a cash register. Cha-ching. Nice. And so uh, the, the, the phone keeps chinging while we're talking because of the trickle, these orders keep trickling in, trickling in. 
and my goal, my, my, you know, real wish is that this stays small business and that, um, that it, it, it's that old school San Francisco style of supporting the small independent people, because I'm really fearful that in the aftermath of what's happening with the COVID, oof, So the big fear is that it's not about dying, you know, it's about losing all the cool stuff. It's about the corporate guys filling in the holes that were left behind. Yep. You know, I started off as a, as a, uh, in my career, you know, just kind of working and I worked for, I didn't have any political agenda really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I actually got my job because there was a help wanted sign in the window. <laughs> I worked across the street at a deli making sandwiches, but I would go into Whole Foods to buy beer and there were cute girls there and I liked shopping there, you know? And yeah. there, so I didn't have any like, you know, agenda to change the world. And 15 years of small business, and I'm a fierce advocate for small business. And, and I'm just so fearful that that's going to go away, that it's going to be tarnished for a long time. I'm pragmatic to know that there will enough to know that places are going to fail mm-hmm. and places are going to fill the void. But I just hope that there's enough room for small businesses to stay and, and, and be successful. That was Ray Bear. Join us next week when we'll get to know Penhole Coffee owner Joellen Dipakakiba. Music for Storied San Francisco is by Otis McDonald. Photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. The show is hosted and produced by me, Jeff Hunt. Our website is storiedsf.com, where you can browse more than 100 episodes and help support us by buying merch from our store. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. If that's Apple Podcasts or iTunes, please do us a quick favor and rate and review the show. And if you have any feedback or people you think should be on the podcast, our email is storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay healthy and stay safe.